The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. And, oh, man, it is here. Draft day. Happy draft day, everybody. That's right. Give yourself a big round of applause. John Breach, also on the horn today. Ryan Wilson uh, with a fancy roadcaster live in Stanford, Connecticut, where he'll be holding down the fort for our CBS Sports HQ draft coverage. And Sean Wagner McGuff. Uh, what's going on, fellas? Hello. How's that? That's great. Ryan, you're the draft guy. We need more enthusiasm. It is draft day. This is your Super Bowl. This is your Christmas. Rolled up and won. You're not the junior analyst, despite what Brinson says. This is where you prove you're the senior analyst. Well, he gets angry when I say more than a few words, so that's why I try to keep it short and to the point. I appreciate the promotion breach. I think it's well-deserved. Sean, do you want to guess how many mock drafts my final mock draft came out on Thursday morning? How many mock drafts I've done since last September? Oh, 87. Oh, 32. Come on. Oh, 87. Don't be that guy. $4 No, I did 34. Thank you. Oh, I was close. We we should have made Sean, before he guessed, we should have said, you have to take a shot for every one you miss by. (laughs) (laughs) Two. Really telling on Sean that he he guessed 87 when there's 52 weeks in the year. (laughs) Look, I, I never claim to be good at math. Uh, by the way, Wilson has, you, you see, Wilson's in a bad mood. Wilson's in a good mood. This is, he knows this is his weekend to shine. Uh, he's, he's hobnobbing with the boss folks at Stanford. He is, he <laughs> has, he has the glow about him of a gentleman, of like, like when, of a gentleman who just went on a, a successful date. I was waiting to hear how you ended that sentence. Um, all right. So it was tamer than I thought it would be. Yeah. We're going to answer your questions on this. We're going to get rid of all the draft mailbag questions, uh, plus dive into the biggest questions still surrounding this 2020 NFL draft. Uh, it's going to be virtual. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. We're going to have recaps, of course, after every night. They will be up, I believe, immediately. Like we're not going to wait and release them at 6 a.m. We will post them as soon as we record them. Uh, you know, probably we're looking at like, between 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Eastern time. So, you know, if you're in London, good news, Jack, you get your podcast right on time. Uh, you know, if you if you got to wake up and work at 8 a.m., uh, you probably don't want to be up at 2 a.m. when we release it. That would be a short turnaround, and nobody wants to do that kind of turnaround. Uh, Can I make a quick suggestion? 
Yes. We should start lobbying. You brought up London. We should start lobbying right now as soon as the coronavirus clears up. Do the draft next year in London, and we'll be done by 4 p.m. Kind of like podcast, And then just – no, is that right? It'll be the other way. It'll be like 4 in the morning. So that maybe – we need actually, to go to Hawaii. It actually would be like 7 a.m., I think. All right, let's go to Hawaii. There we go. <laughs> Good one, Ryan. Um, Strong start. Check out the feed. we got everything you could possibly need to binge and prepare for the draft. This show, of course, we have a uh, separate podcast with Scott Pioli, uh, our pal, who talks about a multi-time of, uh, appearances on the podcast now for Scott. And uh, he talks about what it was like, you know, the drafting Tom Brady, some interesting insight there, as well as what it's like uh, in war rooms and how this virtual draft could work out. We have a great props podcast for you with Kenny White and RJ White, um, where we give you our best bets. Of course, we have a bunch of prospect interviews as well and this mailbag. So uh, stick with the Pick 6 podcast. We will get you covered. We're going to do a full comprehensive preview now, though. So let's start answering some questions. First, we have questions of our own. I'll start with uh, Wilson here. And um, I don't know, Sean Breach, you can figure out who goes next. Will Tua fall and or where is Tua's final landing spot, Ryan? Well, I talked about it on the Pick Six show that we just concluded on on uh, on Wednesday here in my last mock draft of 2020. I actually have to uh, fall in a little bit um, to number six, so he doesn't go fifth to uh, the Dolphins as we've been talking about for years now. It feels like uh, instead he falls to number six, where uh, the Chargers take him there. It's just too good of an offer to pass up, no matter how much Anthony Lynn says he loves Tyrod Taylor. At the end of the day, I think if two is there. They're taking him, and they may even take Justin Herbert. Um, I would be less pumped about that, but but I think Tua uh, just slips one spot. I don't think anyone trades up for him, and I think he goes six to the Chargers. Sean, what did not work out. <laughs> Reach and I did not work out while Ryan was talking. Who's going to go next? I agree with Ryan. That's what I was going to say. I don't see him falling past six. I still think Miami will end up taking him. I don't really believe anything that's been coming out over the past couple weeks, as Jason Lockenford wrote about last week, I want to say. Yep. But if you do want to talk about falls for Tua – I don't think it's possible for him to fall past 12, and that would be a fall. But you look at the teams after the Chargers, I think if he's somehow sitting there at nine, the Jags could very well take him because, as Ryan's been saying, look, you don't know what you have in Gardner Menchu. And while I think the Jags should make this year about Gardner Menchu, I also think Tua at nine would be tremendous value. But I also think if he's sitting there around nine, someone like the Raiders or someone else might want to move up and take him on that value. But worst case, he's not getting past the Raiders at 12. So, But I don't think that'll happen. I'm with Ryan. I think the farthest he falls is six to the Chargers. So, yeah, I, I would say I, that everything we hear about the Dolphins, it's smokescreen. It's smokescreen season. Ryan smells like smoke because he's been dealing with all these smokescreens. That's what you do as the draft guy. I am somebody who studies smoke and screens, and so I therefore know that Tua is going to go number five. He's not going to drop below the Dolphins. That's it. He's going to go fifth, and I know that you guys mentioned the sixth pick. I could see the Panthers taking him if he did somehow fall. I know they have Teddy Bridgewater, but, you know, they need a quarterback of the future, so I would be shocked. I think he goes fifth to the Dolphins, uh, and worst-case scenario, absolute worst-case scenario, he is going to be a single-digit pick, so I don't think he will fall below nine. Are you more of an expert on smoke or screens? If you had to choose, if you're on Jeopardy, what would you rather the last category to be? Oh, absolutely, screens. I know all Wait, about screens. Can we get one fun fact about screens then? Uh, you can set a screen in a basketball game. You could also <laughs> set up a screen at your house to walk through onto the deck. Two fun facts. Or one. There you go. Draft day 2020. 
Man, there is all kinds of – like you could tell the, the smoke is like clouding out. To, on, we record this on Wednesday, of course, before the draft and then Thursday. Um, and uh, look, now the talk, the rumor is that the Dolphins – Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reported this and uh, Peter Schrager had floated it uh, the day before, I think it was reported, maybe like two, Monday or Tuesday, that the Dolphins would try to move up to number three, but without giving up, up number five, which would be wild. They would give up 18, 26, and 39 for number three. So the Lions would move down to 18. I, you know, we talked about this. Like, I think the Dolphins are taking two of. I think everything they are doing right now is purposefully uh, being broadcast to local and national media with the intent of throwing people off their scent as they try to acquire Tua. And I think they know that Dave Gettleman is not moving off of number four. He's going to stay there and pick. And so they feel comfortable um, either taking Tua at three or taking an offensive lineman at three and then getting Tua at five. Look, this is, this is about, uh, the draft is about getting the best players. It is also about giving your fans some hope, right? Like we've seen dumb franchises do dumb things in order to like sell jerseys. Like when the Browns took Johnny Manziel. Uh, so, and I'm not saying that taking two is a dumb thing, but I, I think that the Dolphins know that there is significant pressure from their fan base to acquire Tua Tungavailoa and that they lucked out by Joe Burrow being very good and that they're doing whatever is possible to throw people off their scent. They're going to take him at three or they're going to take him at five. I would take the under on Tua at three and a half because I think it's plus money. I would definitely take the under on Tua at five and a half because I don't think he gets past the Dolphins. Wilson, what do you think? Is the draft or real? Uh, I think that um, the Dolphins are going to take an offensive tackle. I don't, I'm not crazy about that trade with the Lions uh, getting those three picks uh, and moving down all the way to 18. I do want them to move down, but you don't want to settle at 18. And, and what are you going to get there? You're not going to get um, – the offensive tackles are all going to be gone. The edge rushers will all be gone. The cornerbacks will all – you maybe get someone like Jeff Gladney. He could be there. But um, while I like him a lot, do you want that drop-off from Jeff Okuda or Derek Brown? Uh, the defensive tackles will be gone as well. So I guess you can stockpile the picks, but the, the, the Lions have so many things they need to fix. I don't know if I'd be willing to trade all the way down to 18. And I don't know if that's enough either. I don't have RJ's tra- trade value chart in front of me, but I would want – both of those second-round picks from the Dolphins as well. I think, Brenton, you just mentioned the 39th but, pick. But, Wilson, let me say this, because you just said the Lions have so many things they need to fix, so wouldn't it make sense to have two first-round picks instead of one first-round pick? What's the second? They don't know. They, oh, right, 18-26. But my point is that all the, the top two or three players in each position could be gone. So, And there's a huge drop-off at edge rusher. There's a huge drop-off. Interior offensive, offensive lineman won't go in the first round. But there are drop-offs at cornerback when you go from there to there. Maybe they want a safety. I, I, I don't know. But they, they have a lot of holes to, uh, to, to fill. Um, part of the issue is if you don't trade Darius Slay, hey, that's one less thing you have to worry about. But I, I understand what you're saying. But if they could just trade out down to 10 or 11 or get an extra second-round pick because the Dolphins have two of those first-round But picks. And then if they do get those second-round picks, so let's say they get the Dolphins at 18 and 26 – and then they get two of those second-round picks. Now you can turn around and use those second-round picks to move up from 18 back into 10 through 12. So now you're in 10 through 12, plus you have that second, first-round pick at 26 overall. I just think it would be a lot of draft capital, and if I'm the Lions, I'd have a hard time passing it up. Yeah, I agree, in theory. But here's the thing I would ask you, Breach. How much confidence do you have in Matt Patricia to do the right thing? Oh, zero percent. So uh, this is just uh, – well, we shouldn't he, even be having this conversation. Patriot? 
if the if Tom Brady got hurt last year, the Patriots were had the number three pick because of it, and you said, would you would you do this if you're Bill Belichick? 100 percent, 100 times out of 100, you'd do that because you knew he would be up to something. Matt Patricia have less faith in. I I think too again like look it matters what you're selling your fan base. Like if you're like we got Jeff Akuda or we got Derek Brown or we got Isaiah Simmons, people are like, oh, they added a spicy great defender. Like the smart roster building thing is to get 18, 26, and 39 along with your other picks and to just hope you nail two of those guys from the picks you get from the Dolphins and they become, you know, five year NFL starters and then you've had a great draft. Uh, but all of a sudden, like if you're coming away at 18 and 26 and like, you know, what are you coming away with there? You know, is it like, but, it, like, say you stick at three, you take Akuda, you know, that's not a sexy pick. What are you selling your fan? I mean, Akuda is obviously the best corner in the draft, but it's not a sexy pick. Is, is it worse getting CJ Henderson at 18 and you just made the splashiest trade of the draft? You got one of the top corners and CJ Henderson at 18, though. That's the problem. You're going to well, get then you eight. trade back up with those second round picks again. Like, but that's back you, to my original question. Do you trust Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn to do the right thing? Are you saying that we should be running the Lions draft for him? <laughs> no, you don't trade Darius Slay, and maybe you guys won't believe I'm about to say this, but you don't fire Jim Caldwell. <laughs> you just, what was his record his last year with the Lions? It's funny you asked, John. Do you remember? Nine and seven and nine and seven back to back years. Went to one playoff game. Went to one, one playoff appearance. Got fired. <laughs> um, do you, do you think? I mean, like, we don't think the Dolphins are going to take Justin Herbert, right? I feel I feel like they're now they're like they reverse smoke screened it where they were like gonna take Herbert. I think what they're trying to do is like basically just like I mean this is what it's called smoke screen, but like they're trying to like just muddle the waters with so much crap that nobody knows what they're gonna do and they're just gonna sit there and take two. I really feel that way. Let me ask you this because Chris Greer told the fans last week I think just trust us on the number five pick. And given how how bad the Dolphins have been recently, even though they won five of the last seven games. If the general manager, Chris Greer, who I think most people think is, is doing a pretty good job, all things considered, if he says, trust me, that to me says we're not taking Justin Herbert. Because if he says, trust me, and, and he takes Justin Herbert, I will never trust him again. I, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, all right. Do we, do we feel confident we've covered Tua? Like, I, to me, and we said this on the podcast, RJ White and I agree with this. I know Todd Furman's in, in disagreement, but I think Kenny White is on board. Like, I would take the under on Tua on those prop bets because they are and, – and I would take Tua as the second quarterback – uh, being taken, I would take two. Uh, take under three and a half. Under three and a half, or under five, depending on the price, but like under three and a half, <laughs> under five and a half. I think there's a chance. Yeah, I wouldn't take two under three and a half. I wouldn't take under three and a half. Under five and a half, I would. So Tua is now. Oh, this is I'm looking at my local here. Um, to be the second quarterback taken is minus one forty seven. Justin Herbert plus one hundred. Like that. That so Justin Herbert basically even money. That has, what is Jordan Love? Do you have him on there or not? Uh, yeah, of course. I have a. Uh, you can bet on James Morgan if you want. Um, you, can bet on, you can bet on Joe Burrow actually. Uh, Joe Burrow eighteen to one to be the second quarterback taken. Uh, Jordan Love is. Where is that mofo on here? Uh, oh, uh, fourteen to one. Because that would be saucy. That would be spicy if that happened. I can't see him being. This it won't. Ha- I don't think so either. I mean, slightly uh, better than the chance of Joe Burrow going. I will say that in the past like ten years, it seems like. The second quarterback taken has been kind of that, oh, crap, did that really just happen moment. I mean, Daniel Jones last year, nobody thought he was going to be the second quarterback taken. Patrick Mahomes, he was the second quarterback taken behind who, Sean? 
Ha, ha, ha. But Thank nobody you, thought, you know, the Chiefs. Mitchell Trubisky, the, for those that aren't in on the gag, <laughs> Sean Bears. Nobody saw the Chiefs trading up to do that. Johnny Manziel was the second quarterback taken. People thought he might be the first quarterback taken, but instead that was Blake Bortles. So I feel like if there is one spot where you just see uh, total chaos breakout, it does come with the second quarterback in the draft. Am I? You don't want though at number four. Don't be the fourth quarterback taken because John. Don't Reed's be the fourth those. quarterback taken. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, what would you say the chances are that Love is taken ahead of Herbert? Because I feel like that would be the surprise that I can actually see happening. I Love think that going third. My, last week I wrote about um, biggest surprises. I think it was Jordan Love goes above um, Justin Herbert. And in fact, this final mock draft that comes out Thursday morning, I have exactly that. I have Dolphins going off as a tackle at five, uh, two will going six, and then. There are no trades in this draft. Dolphins at 18 getting Jordan Love, and then at 20, two picks later, the Jaguars take Justin Herbert with their second first-round pick. Um, I, he could fall. I don't think two will fall even if he gets past six because you guys mentioned the Panthers. Uh, the Jaguars would take him there if he's at 10. The Raiders may take him there if he's at 12. But I think those teams would probably pass on Justin Herbert if he gets past six, and he could be in you know in the Aaron Rodgers Memorial Green Room until pick 20 if the Jaguars decide to take him there. Now, if he gets past pick 20, are the Patriots or the Saints going to take him? I don't feel like Sean Payton would want to take him. Maybe Josh McDaniel has some fondness for him, but then things could get super weird. Uh, Jordan Love, by the way, four to one to be the third quarterback drafted. Nice. Okay, so that's not that big a surprise, according Justin to Justin Herbert minus one thirty three to uh, even money. Uh, Joe Burrow forty nine to one to be the third quarterback drafted. Is there a, a number for Joe Burrow going to undrafted? Uh, no. no. <laughs> Jalen Hurts sixty five to one to be the third quarterback drafted. That's an interesting one, yeah. I would I would put ten bucks on that. That's uh, win six fifty. I don't think there's that's no too way. Much. There's no way. The third quarterback drafted. That means like yeah, ten dollars, sixty five to one odds. I mean, it, not? it's not completely. I you know I I think there's like a five percent chance of it happening, but it's but this these odds are saying that it's more likely Joe Burrow is the third quarterback drafted than Jalen Hurts. Like that ain't right. What were Daniel Jones' odds of going second last year? It's, again, it's just total craziness. You, you just don't know with the quarterbacks because you don't know how the GMs evaluate these guys. Um, all right. Let's get to our personal burning questions. I feel like we covered two pretty well. I, I gotta be frank. Like I am, this has been maybe the most exhausting quarterback class discussion for an offseason ever. Like, I mean, it's like every show is just, what's the latest on Tua? Because of the, you know, we don't know what the medicals and then Herbert's, Herbert's like late ascent. Pete Prisco is convinced, by the way, that Herbert will not, not make it very far down the draft board. You may be right. I'm not sure though. I'm more concerned about his certain, a uh, sudden fondness for Justin Herbert. I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, I don't get it. I'm on a text thread with him and Jamie and Nick Costas and, uh, Pete will not like, I'm like, dude, you need to own this. I'm not I think you, maybe it's Blake Bortles flashbacks. Maybe that's what it is. I'm like, I'm not, but I'm like, I'm not letting you off the hook if you're wrong on Herbert. Like, you can't be wishy-washy about this. You can't be a, I'm all in on Herbert, but only because, you know, you have to draft the quarterback. I don't really like him that much. It's like, nah, if you think he's worth a top 10 pick, you need to go in on him. Has, has Prisco released his quarterback rankings? I don't know if he does that. Uh, Tua is not his second. He doesn't like Tua at all. He hates Tua. So is Herbert his second than I would imagine? Yes. I don't know how true that is, but he does. Hey, I, I promise you, he has Herbert over Tua. Okay. As medicals, all medicals. He's, I mean, he is, he's, I mean, he said it on the show. I mean, I don't think I'm you know, speaking out of turn here. Like he, he for, firmly believes that Tua's medicals are going to cause him. Like Pete thinks that he could drop to, Tua could drop into the teens and he, beyond. 
Yeah, I mean, 12 is where the, the Raiders pick. And like I said, there's he could drop there. But I think if Justin Herbert gets past six, he's going to continue to drop. But again, we'll find, we'll find out in uh, short order. All right, so biggest – these are the biggest non-Tua questions because, you know, um, and, like, you get to answer your own. We'll start with you, Breach. What is your big, biggest non-Tua question? Mine is a fun one. We're going to talk players a lot over the next 72 hours. So I'm just going – that's, tra- that's how long the podcast is, by the way. So. Is it? We're going to go the, the full 72. No sleeping, no eating. We'll go to the bathroom while we're talking. I'm here for that, Brinson. Why are we not doing a live podcast show? Debo, I'll let you take that one. This is live podcast the whole day of draft. We got to be on. Wow. I don't. Actually, I'm not going to be on live. I'll do it. Brinson, you want to do a YouTube show? Is that what you're saying? Twitch? You want to do Twitch? We'll play. Let's play Rocket Rocket Ball. Have you ever heard the phrase, be careful what you wish for? Because as soon as someone above us hears this podcast, you're going to get an email tomorrow morning that says, Brinson, you're podcasting from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. And then... By the way, you know what the best part of this is, Breach? Brinson will be two hours late, and then he'll complain the whole time that he has to do it. <laughs> uh, That's so your damn question, Breach. My big question is, will the draft get hacked, and are there going to be any crazy glitches? Because, look, this is the first time they've ever done a fully virtual draft. Everyone's going to be remote. We saw a glitch with the first pick on Monday with the Bengals. I mean – I want something to happen. I want total chaos tomorrow. Uh, I do think there will be a few things, a few glitches that do happen. Uh, And also, you know, this could cut into trades because it's not going to be easy to pull off trades. You're going to have to have about 17 phone lines going because you're a general manager. You're on the conference call with the NFL that every team's on. You're on a conference call with your scouts and your assistant coaches. You're probably on a different one with just the head coach so you guys can talk privately. Then you're on another one with other teams who are trying to reach you. If two teams are trying to reach you at once, then you have to be on two different phone lines. I mean, this is complicated. This is not easy. You don't just have – you're not sitting with everyone at a a round conference table uh, where this all can be done very simply. So I think this is going to be a very fascinating draft to watch i'm glad i get to experience it with you guys i i've been saying for a while ever since they announced that this is gonna be a virtual draft i am more excited for this draft than i am in any other draft and that i've been alive for because i i agree with breach i don't think it's gonna like get hacked by some like hacker group but there's just going to be one team or two teams that seriously cannot follow like instructions or technology and it's going to mess the whole thing up. We're going to have a huge pause, I feel like, in the middle of it. It's going to be chaos. I can't wait to see which GMs completely suck at virtual drafting. Uh, Howie Roseman was actually on ESPN's NFL Live on Wednesday, uh, the Eagles GM. And he gave them a tour of his uh, of his, of his his draft room. Debo's frantically Googling Howie Roseman draft room right now. Um, and like, and just turned his video off. Ew, what is he going to do? Um, and, uh, and, and But he was like... He was, and he was like, you know, he's wheeling the camera around and being like, this is this. He was like, you know, here I got a room, uh, a spot where I can turn on some film if I need to. Uh, I got an offensive big board, a defensive big board. You know, here I have my computer up in front of me. And he's like, and then over here, he's like, I have, um, the, I don't, I can't remember the exact phrase that he described, but it was like basically like the fail, it's, it's the fail safe conference call that all the GMs are on. So if like everything goes to hell, and your, your internet craps out, whatever, you still have a landline that you can go run over to, turn the mute button off, and scream, Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, you know, like whatever you have to do. There are enough fail safes built in that I don't think it'll get messed up too much. Um, 
but like, I mean, somebody, we're definitely going to get like a, like something awkward happening in somebody's background. Well, it's like a kid, like punching a dog or something. Okay. <laughs> that one got dark quickly. I'm not punching or like tackling a dog. My It'll son- be like the guy that was on BBC and his, his daughter came into the background and, her, and, and his wife came in because she was in the bathroom and her pants were like unbuttoned and she falls down. Like yeah, that, right. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Or, or like uh, you see the other websites they have in the background and somebody has like an adult website going. <laughs> like that would totally go viral in about two seconds. Um, all right, Sean, what about your burning question? I want to know if the Saints or the Packers are going to draft a quarterback of the future. And I don't mean like in the fifth or sixth round where the picks don't really matter. I'm talking about the first day or two um, because I think both of those teams, we're talking about quarterbacks falling a lot. If Herbert or Love falls to the end of the first round, I think the Saints or Packers seriously have to consider doing it. Now, the Saints, we obviously know this will probably be Drew Brees' final season by the sound of it, um, but they have to balance. Do you want to add someone right now who can help Drew Brees win one more Super Bowl, or do you already start planning for the future? And, and obviously how they proceed probably reflects truly on how they feel about Taysom Hill because we've heard all the Steve Young whatever comparisons, but I don't really buy that simply because we just haven't seen it at all at the NFL level. So I think that will be revealing how they feel about him. And with the Packers, it's the same question because Aaron Rodgers isn't retiring at the end of the season, you would think. So he has a couple more years, but are they going to do what they did with Rodgers and Favre you know, over 10 years ago or draft someone to sit behind him? And I think the only way they consider doing that at the end of the first round is if someone like Love is there. But I don't think it would be that shocking if this franchise already starts playing for the future. And it would be curious to see how Aaron Rodgers deals with that because we've all read the stories about how uh, Favre treated him and about how he can be a little bit difficult to work with. So that would be interesting. Yeah, I think I was just going to say real quick, if the Saints draft a quarterback, like how mad do you think Taysom – that's stabbing him in the back because you sit there and say this is our quarterback of the future, this is our quarterback of the future. Then you go out and take someone who falls in your lap, and then you're Taysom Hill, and you're just like, all right, I quit the team. I don't want to be here. You you set up Steve Young, and you really think um, Steve DeBerg from White Bortles. Yeah, but But yeah, yeah. He's 30. He's been injured forever, and we bring it up every time. Most Sanu has thrown more passes in the NFL than Taysom Hill. He ain't the long-term answer. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, though. I don't think – I think if you're the Saints and you're looking at Drew Brees and you know he sort of dropped off a cliff a bit, um, I don't think that you – I still think you're all in on 2020. Yeah. And you have such a veteran team that it's just not worth drafting a quarterback there. Now, look, do you have to get the position right down the road? Of course. But I, I think we saw this offseason that – I mean, like, they could go sign Cam Newton. Just do that. Nah. Not James Winston. I like the exa- I think you're exactly right. They're all in for 2020. But does that team, as it currently constituted, with no even if they had zero draft picks, you're still picking them to win the division, right? Unless you're breach. It's it's close. I mean, I I, I think it's close. Like I, I I don't know. I don't know right now. Like I I think that I think that if if OTA Tom. I mean, uh, by the way, Tom, uh, as reported by um, I don't know who Tom is. Uh, as, Sean, as reported by, uh, I think it was first Diana Rossini of ESPN, um, Sean Payton has already told Saints players do not count on having, you, do, you're not coming to OTAs. Like no matter what happens, even if the NFL has them. So I think like that's a huge advantage for the Saints over the Buccaneers if the, the Saints team that has been together for a long time does not have to worry about training camp. Whereas Tom Brady, Who's, you know, ingraining himself with new teammates and trying to develop a rapport with, um, uh, who, who, Chris Goodwin and, uh, Chris Goodwin and Cameron Bratt. Yeah. Chris Goodwin and Cameron <laughs> Bratt, as Rob Gronkowski said. Uh, you know, like that's, that's a big disadvantage. He's probably not going to work with those guys as much. So that could be a slow start. 
you know, if the Falcons are, are decent, then, you know, you got a problem. Yeah, problem. So I, I would probably, I would probably with the Saints right now. And if the, but I haven't decided yet. I'm allowed to waffle. What do you say? I stink. What are you saying? We were hearing things through the headphones. So we thought it was you. Was it electronic toots? <laughs> yeah, that's a, you could call them that. Had a few ETs. Uh, do you want to go to your uh, <laughs> most out, outrageous thing, or do you want me to do it? Your biggest question. You go ahead. Okay. Toot face. <laughs> ETs and TFs. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, what? Wait, I don't hear what you guys are talking about. See, it's Brinson. I think we finally figured it out it's Brinson because he can't hear it, and we all can hear it. Yeah, and I'm on company purchased equipment in company headquarters, so it can't be me, Wilbur. I, we finally figured out the uh-huh. online farting is Brinson. <laughs> was, was it the same noise as usual? When this the it was it was gassier though. It was really? like after you eaten a few tacos. <laughs> Should I hang up? <laughs> no, it's too late that. now. We all heard it. Yeah, it was you. We've identified. I, it. I don't want to have a whole podcast full of ETs. I mean, it sounded like you stuck your fingers in a socket and you were being electrocuted. <laughs> That's how I feel over here. <laughs> you were being electrocuted and tooting at the same time. Okay, look, here, here's my uh, biggest question. <laughs> I'm laughing at Debo. Uh, do the Buccaneers trade up for an offensive tackle at 14? Because that's the real question. So we talked about this to death. There are four offensive tackles that are, that are after that four, there's a pretty big drop off, even though a fifth or sixth might get drafted in the first round. So clearly we know that Joe Haig is, is the guy they sign off the street to, to be the right tackle, but he's not the guy they want to start there in Tampa Bay. They have Tom Brady, they have Rob Gronkowski, they, um, have the two other tight ends. But if three of those line, uh, offensive tackles are off the board, by six, for example, six or seven, then the Buccaneers are going to have to think about trading up. And, and do they do it? And I think the answer is yes. You trade it for someone like Andrew Thomas or, or Tristan Wirfs. If you can get them at seven, eight, or nine, uh, it may cost you that second-round pick, which is too bad because I would love to see them get a running back there. Someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be awesome in the backfield. Um, I think Kevin Falk is the name. I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast or – on the show yesterday that I couldn't remember. He's an LSU running backs coach. He obviously played with Tom Brady in New England. He's that type of player in terms of being a good runner and a good receiver as well. But that pick will probably be gone if you have to move from 14. So I want to see how the first 10 picks play out, seven or eight picks, and, and see how many offensive tackles go and then see what the Buccaneers' plan is to, to address right tackle. For most teams, I would say the answer would be, like, in terms of what I would want that team to do, no. But I think the Bucks are that rare team where I do think giving up some additional assets to go get an impact now player does make complete and total sense. Like they have to be all in on the next two years. And you kind of, it's not, maybe it's not smart football business to say, screw the future. We'll worry about that in two years. But when you sign a 43 year old quarterback and you take the tight end, 31 year old tight end coming out of retirement, I think no matter what, you have to plug that final hole and just ride for two years and then worry about the future later. Wilson, you actually went the opposite route I thought you were going to go. When you said if three tackles are already taken off the board by, say, pick six, if I'm the Bucks, that's where I say, you know, I'm not going to trade up. I'm going to sit tight. But if you get to the spot where there's only one or two tackles taken off at pick six, you realize they might fall a little further. Because if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm trying to trade up into the 10, 11 range, maybe nine, because you don't have a lot of ammo to work with uh, unless you plan on trading a player, which maybe they do. Maybe they trade O.J. Howard. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm not trying to trade up to six, seven or eight, but I, I am willing to try to get to that window. Cause you're at 14. That's a big jump to try and get to seven, right? You're gonna have to give up a lot of stuff. Uh, so if there's two tackles off the board, 
I'm going for it. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get the nine or ten. But if not, if there's three tackles gone by pick six, I'm just saying, you know what? I'm sitting tight at fourteen. By the way, the Browns at ten reportedly, whatever make of that what you will, are willing to trade down. So they could be a pot. A- I mean, Dave Gettleman reportedly is willing to trade down too. So well, Dave Gettleman. I think I don't think he went to the same school of analytics as Andrew Barry, so maybe slightly different chance of the Browns actually doing it. I, I know, but I was just saying that like everybody's saying they're willing to trade yeah. down. Um, the uh, by the way, Charles Robinson reported that the Giants, speaking of Dave Gettleman trading down, Giants have Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert ahead of Joe Burrow. Um, additionally, they uh, they I think that it was they had, and this is what's weird. Is like apparently they had Herbert ahead of Daniel Jones too. I'm not saying you should tank for Justin Herbert, but like, aren't you looking at last year and thinking like, all right, we got two first round picks, we're probably going to be able to get Justin Herbert next year? I don't know, maybe not. The whole thing is bizarre. Anyway, um, here is my question: What is it? All right, Wilson's leaving. By the way, bye, Wilson. What is the Patriots' plan at quarterback? That is my burning question. I think that anything is on the table for New England from the Patriots uh, figuring out some way to finagle the system and trading up to number three and taking Tua uh, all the way uh, down to the Patriots just not drafting a single quarterback and then signing Cam or Jameis on Monday after the compensatory pick formula has passed. I, I really do believe um, that – that maybe they could take Jalen Hurts in the middle rounds. They could take Jacob Eason. I think anything is on the table for them. Jordan Love at 23. And I think it's one of the most fascinating storylines because, you know, it's not like Tom Brady retired. Tom Brady's still playing. We're going to see Tom Brady presumably play at a high level next year. So what is the Patriots counter move with, you know, Jared Stidham and, and Brian Hoyer on their depth chart? I think we've all been kind of on the same page with this one. It feels like the Patriots probably have their eyes on a quarterback or two in the first round, if there is a way they can get up in the draft without giving up a lot of assets or something they don't want to lose, I think they'll do it. You know, if you see Herbert drop to the top 15 or, you know, like the 15th pick, maybe the Patriots make a move up, uh, grab a quarterback. But if there is no one there, I think they're fine with that. And they'll do what you said, Brinson. They'll go after uh, Cam Newton or Jameis Winston uh, or maybe trade for Andy Dalton once the uh, – compensatory part of that. Although Cam Newton doesn't even apply to that because he was cut. So that would only apply to Jameis Winston. So basically that means they would be waiting on Jameis Winston. So anyway, long story short, I think they're going to shoot for a quarterback in the draft. And if they can't, if if they don't get one to fall in their lap, they'll just wait and figure it out after the draft. Yeah. I don't think they necessarily have like a set in stone plan. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. I think they understand they are lucky in the sense that they do have breach this list of three quarterbacks that they could acquire. And if they acquired them, we would be arguing that they're better than the Bills and can win the division. So they don't have to panic. They can sit there at 23, and that's why I don't think they're going to move up. I, like, I really have a hard time believing they're going to give up multiple draft picks for a quarterback like Love or Herbert who both have very noticeable, scary flaws that they put on film throughout college. I think it's a very much, if one happens to fall, that's great value. We'll take them because they weren't supposed to fall to us. But if one doesn't fall, we're not going to reach. We're going to see what happens later in the draft. And then once the entire three-day draft is done, if we still don't have an answer that we feel will help us better in the short term than Hoyer and Stidham, we'll go sign someone because there are three guys available that we can go get. So I think for them, it's all about just keeping their options open and not zeroing in on one person and just seeing where they can find value whether that be in free agency, the trade market, or the draft. Yeah, and I look. I think that's where Belichick has smartly played this kind of smart. Like, he's given himself options. 
And that's why you know, I, I have questions about what the Chargers are doing as well. And they have options too, but it feels like they're a little more like jammed in this. It's either Tyrod or bust or draft Justin Herbert at six box. But maybe that's what Tom Telesco wants for people to think. Uh, I just think Belichick, um, it's talking to Scott Pioli about the Patriots philosophy of trading down. It's about, you know, more chances to acquire picks, but also, you know, opportunities to be flexible in what you do. And I think you see that in how they're handling you know, this particular uh, draft setup. So when it comes to the quarterback uh, position. All right. Let's take a quick break. Oh, wait. We have more questions from Breach. What am I talking about? Ryan left. So we can just ask Breach's bonus questions. Uh, Breach, give us some bonus questions. You know, we don't have to do all of them. I am going to start off with uh, what do you guys think will be the biggest non-quarterback trade where a team is not trading up to get a quarterback? Because there are a lot of things that could happen here. And I'm not even talking with just draft picks. You have Trent Williams, guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Fournette, Joe Tooney. Like, all those players could be traded tomorrow or Friday. I mean, this could just turn into total chaos. Um, I won't be surprised if, if Trent Williams gets traded tomorrow. I think that would be pretty huge. And the Redskins could potentially – I don't know if they could get a first-round pick for him, but I think they could get a second-round pick. Uh, so well, I, I just, like, let's say, let's say the Browns trade for Trent – Richards, I mean, Trent Williams or the, or the Buccaneers, <laughs> Trent Richardson or the Buccaneers and you give up a second round pick that dramatically alters the shape of the draft in terms of 10 and 14. Well, that's, well, Ryan just talked about how the Browns are reportedly open to moving back. If they're able to trade for Trent Williams, then absolutely, then they are the candidate to move back because they will have given up a decently high pick to get an aging left tackle, but who else went in the short term and they're going to want to acquire more draft capital, and at the same time, they suddenly don't have that pressing need at left tackle. So that's why I think maybe the Browns um, would be the Trent Williams team, just kind of combining all these rumors and reports into one. If That's why it would make sense they want to move back. By the way, uh, there is some buzz popping up about Jerry Judy's knee issue. So that is something to watch uh, in terms of a, you know, a, a guy who could maybe be drafted a little bit later than you think. Um, Henry Ruggs, first wide receiver off the board, is an intriguing option. Still three to one, pretty good value. Um, was like twenty four to one. That's real. That was real good value. Uh, Ruggs, people, people around the league love this kid. So uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will answer your mailbag questions. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul. The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Mailbag! Time for some draft mailbag. Ryan Wilson has departed, so people will – departed us forever. Uh, so people will be uh, you know, maybe a little disappointed if there are any Wilson questions, but we'll try and answer them for him. We're going to start with some Facebook mailbag questions. This comes from Dave Benton. A question from a Yorkshire fan. A I left <laughs> England. <laughs> uh, 
laughing emoji. I think he's saying he's a, uh, uh, an Englishman, and I couldn't do an English accent. Uh, what pick would totally gobsmack each of you? Um, I will tell you what would gobsmack me is if the Bengals don't pick Joe Burrow. If they go up and announce anyone besides Joe Burrow, I'm going to flip things over in my basement. My family owns a bunch of Bengals paraphernalia. I'm going to make them burn it all. I will be absolutely shocked. Uh, I might not be able to podcast if that happens. I'll be in so much shock. So Bengals not talking, taking Joe Burrow will gobsmack me. Mine is gobsmacked, but in a good way. It's the Redskins taking Tua, which Will Brinson and yours truly have been in favor of for the past couple of weeks. And I don't think it's going to happen. That's why it would completely shock me. But at the same time, I think if it did happen, uh, we would be able to – you can make a argument, I believe, that it would be the right pick. But it would absolutely be gobsmacking. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good call. Do I didn't mock Tua to the Redskins. If he goes to the Redskins, do I still get credit for it? I mean, we'll give you like some credit. I'm saying like I don't want to be like I'm pound to the table that this is gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen. Like I just don't. I just think they're gonna take Chase Young because I. You know what? I would say you're the one person who can take credit for it because during our live mock draft, I think it was mock draft 2.0 on HQ, you got ripped for taking Tua. You got absolutely ripped, and you, you laid out your case. Yes, there was spite involved, but there was also some solid reasons, and uh, you know you stood your ground. And I, I, I think you're allowed to take credit, Brent. Hey, he convinced me. That's and, that was the mock draft that convinced me. Yeah, Sean that got me on board. Stands, Sean usually stands his ground. He's not easily changed his mind, and you did that. I think that if um, the Redskins took Tua on CBS Sport, like, all right, so I'm not. I don't think I'm doing the in draft show stuff on CBS Sports HQ. I think they would call me, and be like, "Can you pop on to talk about Tua to two? Or they would at least be like. Brinson was right. So you're probably correct. I think I, I think I would get credit for it, even though it's not in my final mock. Cause I'm, cause the problem is like, if you give two to the Redskins, I did this last year. Like I was pretty sure the, the Cardinals were going to take Kyler Murray, but I was like, ah, you know, maybe they're going to take Nick Bosa. I gave them, I gave them Nick Bosa anyway. And it just, it destroys your whole mock. Cause like you end up being in last place in mock draft gradings because you don't get the free two points up top, which is Burrow and, and Chase Young. And then like you have Chase Young to the Lions, so that's wrong. It's just a cascading effect. So, um, I ended up, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I think that would be gobsmacking. Um, I'll say that the gobsmacker would be the Jaguars taking Justin Herbert. The gobsmacker? No. That'd be surprised. At number nine, not number 20, right? Yeah. That, I, mean, that, that, that means Herbert fell. And yeah, I had, I had him taking him at seven in my mock. So maybe it's not that gobsmacking if I mocked it. Yeah, it would be surprising. I think I don't think we expect him to fall that far, but we did just spend the last 20 minutes talking about how Herbert could fall into the teens, according to Ryan Wilson, junior draft analyst. Um, do we Whoa. think that gobsmack is completely dumbfounded shocked? So I guess it wouldn't be that shocking. I'll say um, – what if Jordan Love falls out of the first round? No, I, I didn't have him in the first round of my mock. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's. I, I think. I think. I think two a uh, one or two is the gobsmack. That's the only way to like. Like if the Bengals, it's like the Bengals are taking two a Tungavailoa. It would be. I mean, just like no, we wouldn't. That's my gobsmack, Brinson. You can't take I, my gobsmack. Well, I went third, and you guys picked the obvious gobsmack. But you could say, what if Tua falls out of the top ten? That would be pretty shocking. Okay, all right, I'll do that. Well, Pete Prisco keeps telling me it's going to happen. Okay, what if he falls out of the first round? No, stop it, stop it. That, that would be <laughs> that would be gobsmacking. Oh no, Brinson. 
get tested after the show. I mean, I got this. Who knows? Well, uh, you know, know, it's only a problem if someone is coming into his house. You shouldn't be there. I say, for the answer to the second part, no. And I feel like every year we say, oh, this will be the year that a running back isn't taking the first round and someone inevitably goes in the first round. I feel like this is going to be the year no one goes in the first round. I am going to disagree with Sean because, look, we the the common sense thinking is that you don't take a running back in the first round right now. Well, you know what? There's been a running back taken the first round, I think, in each of the past four years. So we're at four straight drafts. It only takes one team to say, you know what? There's no one left on the board. We've got a running back who, who grades out of the first round, even though we didn't want him in the first round. Uh, so I do think a running back gets taken. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. I think the obvious options are Taylor Swift, but I'm going to go with Taylor Swift. What? Have people put that together yet? That's fun. Um, but I'm going to go with, John- <laughs> gonna go with Jonathan Taylor. Um, to whom? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's a couple teams at the bottom of the first round that, you know, like the Chiefs, I could see them adding a running back being crazy. Uh, maybe the Chiefs, Seahawks, I could see them. <laughs> they did take Rashad Penny, so. Saying, hey, you know what? We're over Rashad. We're going to go after a running back. But I, I said saw the Chiefs. Peter Schrager point out, so, well, I don't think the Chiefs draft a running back in the first round. I think it's, I think it is fun to imagine Clyde Edwards Hilaire or DeAndre Swift on the Chiefs, but Andy Reid has never taken a running back higher than LaShawn McCoy, who I believe was 58th overall. Uh, Peter Schrager, I saw at P Shrags on Twitter, uh, point, said both DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards Hilaire could go in the first round. Hmm. Uh, that would, now that would be gobsmacking. If two running backs win the first round, the over under is, uh, a half a running back. So one guy gets it. Uh, the reason I don't think a running back goes in the first round is that I think you look at the teams at the bottom half of the draft and you have uh, Baltimore, who has running backs, Green Bay, who has running backs. San Francisco typically has uh, gone after running backs in the middle rounds. That's sort of what the Shanahan's do. And then Kansas City, again, with Andy Reid, they don't do it. A lot of those teams are likely to trade out. I don't think somebody trades back into the first round for a running back. Just my take. So I would go under on that, and I just don't think we see a running back go in the first round. Uh, the Dolphins at 26, I think, could be an interesting one. That, that, that's a landing spot for a running back. And you look at last year, the team that took the running back, of course, the Raiders, who had all those first-round picks as well. It, it felt like a little bit more forgivable that if you have a surplus of picks, then you can use one on a running back. Everybody called him a winner, and they overdrafted Cleveland Farrell, took a safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I changed running. my – I don't think the Chiefs take a running back. I think the Dolphins do at 26. That's a good landing spot for it. It would make a lot of sense. Like, if you, if the Dolphins come out of this with, like, Tua, an offensive lineman, and, like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire – they're getting an A plus from everybody. Yeah, probably. And and also Brian Flores obviously comes from New England, and you know for us because Bill Belichick is as a GM and a coach, he's been a guy who has overdrafted running backs before. If you go look at his draft history, obviously most recently Sony Michelle when Flores was there. So Lawrence be that Maroney. Yes, that Lawrence Maroney pick was a disaster. Um, I don't know why Belichick loves to overdraft running backs. Actually, I wrote a thing today about how Belichick has struggled drafting people. But yeah, Sony Michelle last year, Damian Harris in 2019. Yeah. They got uh, a few. That Michelle pick is so bad too, especially with uh, Nick Chubb sitting there too. Um, all right, let's see. Let's get to uh, some Apple podcast reviews. Actually, hold on. Let me see if I can find 
the question. Before we do that, I'm going to get to uh, – this is a question that was DM'd to me, and I hope I haven't lost it. Uh, Debo, you know what? I'll ask this question first, and we'll, then, we'll, then we'll circle back. This is an Apple podcast. Uh, great NFL podcast. Will always keeps it interesting. Thanks. Uh, this is from uh, C.L. Brinson. Oh, I'm just kidding. See it from C.L. Bailey. Will always keeps it interesting, but the show is at its best when the super friends are breaking down a topic and tearing each other down. Here's a dynasty question. In a deep 16 team league, dynasty league, I have no first round pick, but I managed to collect a bunch of second and third round picks. 25, 33, 40, 46, and 48. Is this rookie draft deep enough that I should keep these picks or should I try to trade them? If I try to trade them, what would be fair value? Thanks. So is he asking, does he want to move up in the draft? In I would trade presume picks? so, yeah. So if it's a 16-team league, that means 33 is the first pick of the third round. Um, I mean, this is a really deep class, and there are absolutely 30 to 40 draftable guys uh, in terms of wide receiver and running back. So that's not a problem. But I would want to have a couple of higher picks. Yeah, I was going to say my philosophy in fantasy football drafts is the exact opposite of real life football, where it's like real life football. I think you should try to acquire as many like if he had all those assets, I'd be like, great job. In terms of real life, you're going to probably get some good players there. But in real life fantasy football, I'd rather have fewer picks and have premium picks and potentially get that stud as opposed to having lots of depth. I think you need that high end ceiling talent, but more than like a high floor. Yeah, I'll say that like a guy like Alvin Kamara was going in like the third round of rookie drafts because he was like, oh, he's on the Saints, he's not a full time back, and then all of a sudden you have a an absolute steal. Um, I think that if this were me, what I would try to do is package thirty three and forty for a top twenty pick. Would that be enough? Thirty three and 40. I mean, I, I again, if you're if you were coming to me with that offer, I'd say no because I would prefer just have that top twenty pick. Right. I might do it. I would, I would try and float 33 and 40 for a top 20 pick. I, I wouldn't be opposed to 25 and 40 to move up into the top 15. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, you don't want to get, like, I think the, the risk is, is that you give up th- two or three of these picks and you only get to like 15. And then you're going to get somebody good, but you know, you might, yeah, it's, it's a, it's not a science. I mean, this wide receiver class is great, but like, you don't know that Denzel Mims is going to be awesome or that Jalen Rager is going to come in and dominate. Uh, you know, the, the top end guys are, are, are obviously better. So yeah, I mean, the high, if you know, depending on how, how high you can get CL Bailey, um, you know, I think it all depends on that. Feel free to email me about it, uh, or DM me. Uh, I got a DM from, um, oh no, I'm looking at the wrong one. I thought I thought I found, uh, Paul Murphy had sent me a mock draft that he did. And, Paul, I will get back to you on that. Uh, I'm running behind on everything. Uh, All right, we'll just move on to the next one, I guess. Um, Yeah. Chargers fan here. Appreciate answering the question if you get to it. What do you think of drafting an offensive tackle in the first round and sneaking Jacob Eason in the second round? I think you could maybe even wait to the third round to get Jacob Eason. But I do like – the idea of getting the offensive tackle, because we mentioned that the Chargers Super Bowl window is literally 2020. That is it. That's what you have. You have Mel- Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, uh, Hunter Henry, all these guys with expiring contracts. You're not going to be able to keep everyone. You have to win now. And so I think if you have to win now, you get someone who can help you right now. And I think an offensive tackle could do that before a rookie quarterback. 
Uh, so I do like the idea of getting a tackle at number six, but then you look and see where quarterbacks fall. Maybe it's not Eason. Maybe, you know, Jalen Hurts. Maybe someone else that, maybe Jordan Love falls to you in the second round. Uh, you know, Sean and Brinson both think that he could fall into the second round. So if there is a quarterback you like in the second round, I say pull the trigger. And, uh, at worst case, you have a backup for Taylor, uh, for 2020. Best case, he's awesome and beats out to Rod Taylor, uh, in training camp and takes the starting job. Yeah, I have no problem with them passing on a quarterback at six. And, uh, because the way I look at it is if you believe you have a talented enough a team around Tyrod where he can take him, take you guys to the playoffs, which Tyrod has done before, most recently in Buffalo, um, then great. And it works. You're a playoff team. Um, you've had a great season, but if it doesn't work out because Tyrod has had bad seasons and he's typically not the quarterback that can elevate a subpar supporting staff around him. You can take a quarterback a year from now. So, and as Breach just mentioned, they have a lot of guys on expiring contracts. So if it works out with Tyrod and you want to run it back, you try to resign as many of those guys as possible and you run it back. If it completely goes to hell and Tyrod's not the answer, then you rebuild and reboot and you take a quarterback a year from now. I like the idea of going offensive tackle with the first pick or defense and then coming back and getting a running back in the second round. I know that, you know, running backs, we don't like to draft running backs, but Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler is a nice combo. I just think with what Anthony Lynn wants to do, which is run the ball a ton, it would be foolish to go into the season with just those two guys. Um, Jonathan Taylor played at Wisconsin. I think we might have played with Melvin Gordon, or at least they were close. Um, no, he wasn't with Melvin Gordon. They played like a few years apart, but like he would fit perfectly what they want to do, which is pound the ball between the tackles. And I just think if you add an offensive lineman and a, and a running back with those first two picks, if Tyrod play, Taylor plays like he did in 2015 and 2016, you, for the Bills, you have a team that can win a lot of games. Like I, I, if they play great defense and can run the ball effectively and Tyrod can play off play action and not make mistakes, I mean, they can win a lot of games. I don't think they have a, a, a crazy high ceiling, but they have a, a, there's a team that can win some games. I kind of, instead of going offensive line at six, I kind of like the idea if Isaiah Simmons is there. And look, I know they already have like Derwin James and that's been a comparison, but like getting two Derwin Jameses on the same defense, you would just cause complete havoc. And, uh, again, we've talked about how so this defense is really strong right now, but we've talked about it over and over again. They've got a lot of pieces hitting free agency, so I wouldn't mind reloading at defense a year early. And I do agree with Brenton with taking maybe a running back in the second round. I think if you're going to take a flyer on a quarterback and you're not going to do it in the first round, don't do it in the second round. You pick at 71st overall. Uh, with your third round pick. And I think that is where you would take your flyer and your quarterback. You might have someone good available. You know, you could have Jacob Eason, which is, I think, who was mentioned in the question, but also Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, like any of those guys could be available, would probably be available at 71. So I think if I am taking flyer on the quarterback, I'm waiting till that third round, 71st overall pick. All right. Uh, I think that's it. That's the show. It's draft time. Can't believe it's oh my here. goodness! Oh my goodness! It's here. It, d- d- is it is it just me or does this draft have the weirdest anticipate? Like, I am extremely excited for it. I'm actually kind of thrilled that it's not taking place in a random city because I, I mean I, I wish we were there. Like if if we were going to be, I'd rather be in Vegas with you guys right now. Although, <laughs> who knows how that would go for work purposes? <laughs> um, we all might lose our jobs after this. Right, weekend, exactly. But. This is yeah, the like, third podcast in a row where none of us are sober, but we're going to do it anyway. That would be Vegas. Oh, you imagine how sober would be for that, uh, for the, for the post show, like the, like, I mean, like the, those national shows, 
the one where we went on a bachelorette party bus and all of a sudden we're doing a podcast. It's like, whoa, I'm kind of lit. Uh, not <laughs> isn't, isn't that every Sunday night though during the season? I usually don't once we hit, once we hit like the hour mark. <laughs> yeah. I usually don't start drinking until the show starts yeah. on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, it would be fun to be in Vegas. I, I just feel like the, the lead up and the anticipation of this. I would say I would almost call it frustrating because you know it's going to be virtual. That's been something that's been talked about, but I don't think it's that big a deal. Like I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. And then I heard that one. And then, um, like it's all Tua and Herbert, and it's just gotten tiresome at this point. Because I don't even know that it's been tiresome because it's the quarterbacks. It's because it's literally all anyone has to talk about. There's no other sports going on, and so I think America's kind of waiting for this. Like I'm pretty anxious to see. What the ratings, what the television's ratings are going to be for this draft. I mean, is it going to be like Oscars Academy Award ratings where 30 million people are watching? Cause I think the highest draft ratings ever were like six, seven, eight million. I, I think they're going to blow that out of the water because why wouldn't you be watching if did you, you have, see, did you what? see what the, do you see what the Jordan doc got on ESPN on Sunday night? 6.1 million. Yeah. That's an it's insane Jordan, number. Michael Jordan documentary. Like the people are starving for sports. This is why the NFL didn't move it. I, they, they are going to get monster ratings for the first round. I'm, I'm curious to see what the ratings are for Friday and Saturday. Cause like, I feel like Friday, your average fan will probably watch the first couple of picks. And then like, I mean, I don't, I'm not gender stereotyping here, but then like, you know, the wife, you know, like my, my wife is going to be like, my wife wouldn't do it cause I have to do it for work, but would be like, can we watch Netflix now? Like, let's go watch Ozark. It's like, yeah, you're right. I'll get off this. But I mean, I feel like, Thursday night is going to be insane. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much changing about Saturday though, to be honest. Like yeah, I think it, the, the normal diehards will watch and the normal non diehards won't watch because they're day three picks. But to your point, Brits, I do feel like we've been talking, we would have talked about this a lot anyway, but I feel like we've been talking about it more because it's literally all that's going on. Like I feel like I've done triple the radio hits that I did in the weeks leading up to the draft last year because that's all anyone has to talk about. Is the NFL draft, you know, it's, you talk five minutes about when's baseball coming back, when's hockey coming back, but then it's draft, 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 draft. And this is a fascinating year because we have so many quarterbacks, uh, that will likely go in the first round. It, it will be funny though when it like unfolds exactly as we thought like months ago where it's like Tua goes five to the Dolphins, Herbert goes six to the Chargers. And then there's really like all this like smokescreen stuff ends up meaning nothing and everyone goes exactly what like Ryan had in his mock draft like in November. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It'll be Jake Fromm going one overall as I had my mock draft uh, last oh. April. Um, okay, let's get out of here. Great show as always, fellas. Can't wait till we'll talk uh, tonight after the draft. And uh, good luck to everybody on your props. Hope everything cashes. Tweet me, tweet us at the Pick Six Pod if you got uh, if you got some great bets, you got questions leading up to it. Uh, happy to answer any questions on social media um, leading into the draft. Thanks as always for listening. Talk to you guys soon.